What are you all doing? We're currently interviewing. Um, you're maybe wondering how I'm recording this, but we're all in separate places in the world. JK, not the world, just the United States of America. And due to that, we are not together, but you can still hear our voices together. Here is a previous episode. Oh, by the way, this is Harjeet. Please remember me. Don't forget me, okay? Can't handle it. Can't handle How much it. coffee do you drink oh, daily? Depends if it's a hers day. She's such a straight face. I know. <laughs> okay, are we ready? Thanks for joining us again. Um, the Bundle of Hers is back in the studio, and we're here to talk about a topic that I think um, affects everybody involved in healthcare, involved in the sciences, or you know, any philosophical field, and that's the issue of scientific trust. So over the break, um, I had a few incidences with some close friends of mine where we got on the topic of talking about medicine and certain healthcare outcomes and, you know, things that normally maybe people don't talk about unless you're in medical school. But we were talking about, you know, how do you how do you put your faith into a physician? And I was actually really shocked to hear that even some of my closest friends and some of my closest family, they said, you know, you don't trust physicians. Physicians are constantly changing their medicine. And, you know, medicine is known to be an ever-changing field. And so nothing is absolute. One of my friends actually brought up a saying that they have in her culture where you never trust the doctor, you trust the patient. And so she was telling me, you know, if you have a certain disease or if you have a certain, you know, whatever it is, healthcare issue, never go to the doctor, go to the patient that has that issue. And so, you know, first of all, how do you approach explaining what evidence-based medicine is and that's why it's changing? And then how do you how do you go about trying to get their ideas and understanding their background with that? So, Lean, now that you've had this experience and kind of had time to think about it, is there anything you would maybe do differently or say differently to her in that situation that might make you feel better about the interaction or maybe change um, her mind? It was really frustrating because you try to explain it, but they were she was just so absolute in her ways. And it wasn't some like she she doesn't have any scientific background. She just takes what she hears and she runs with it. And so that was kind of more frustrating for me. So when I tried to explain to her, like, like, for instance, when she brought up the point, oh, but medicine's always changing, so you can't trust it. I said, well, that's the whole point of, you know, statistics and evidence-based medicine. That's that's the whole point of that. It's not that we're changing because we're like, whoa, we were completely wrong, but maybe there's a better solution that we are starting to discover more and more. And maybe we were completely wrong, but at that same time, now we have proof that that was wrong, you know? So it's not like we're playing with people's lives, per se, is kind of what I was trying to tell her. I was like, it's just a scientific method that we got to go through, and that's the way it works. But that brings up a really important point, and it's, you know, how how do we take these social myths, these um, cultural ideas and social standards that could be detrimental to health issues and, you know, actually getting health. And how do we approach that? How do we approach that in a way that we can convince people that, you know, there's something like established fact and um, we have there in order to take care of your health, you know? So I actually think that's a really great question, Lean. Um, I kind of come from the standpoint that before anyone can build trust with you, they don't trust you. So having that initial like thought that before I'm entering a conversation is that this person doesn't trust me. So it's my job to build a relationship with them. They maybe had a ton of past experiences, the environment they grew up in, the way they were raised, um, the experiences that they had that brings them to this heightened point of mistrust for physicians um, so I think really like starting out slow, starting out to like getting to know the person in front of you. And I know we only have 
so much time with a patient and we need to come to a like treatment plan or some action that needs to be taken by the end of the appointment. But I think that's where a lot of the truth is like it, do, it, it is hard because we spend years studying something and it's like this person in front of me doesn't believe that. But I feel like the reason that I personally can be okay with this fact is because I grew up in a culture where a lot of people in my community don't trust doctors. So for me, that's something that I understand. For me, it's more of a known reality and then how to navigate that. I think you can't change people's beliefs, but you can you can somehow work with them to reach a place where they're going together. When you're faced with opposition um, to something that you're saying from a patient, I think it's so important to ask why and to try to fully understand all aspects of what they're saying, because in reality, it may be one tiny piece that they don't agree with, but they'll do and do believe everything else. So, for example, one of um, someone in my life is an anti-vaxxer and like, well, alleged, you know, on the surface level seemed to be very anti-vaccine. But when I started having a conversation with them more in depth, it wasn't that they mistrusted what was in the vaccine or that they thought that the vaccine would cause autism. It was that they thought that babies were getting too many vaccines all at once and they would prefer that the vaccines be spread out one month at a time or whatever it was. And so by having that conversation, instead of labeling that person an anti-vaxxer or whatever and, and you know, like dismissing or getting in a fight about it, we came to a point of understanding like, okay, you just don't want it all at once. And maybe that's not what I've learned to be scientifically true. But if that's how I can help us come to the middle point, then I think that's a great outcome, right? So, so important to have that conversation about why and understanding why and all the aspects of it instead of putting in our own biases. Like you, I've had that conversation. Um, My family moved to Minneapolis a couple of years ago. And the last time I was there in, I think it was in June or something, right before school started, um, the anti-vax conversation came up with a group of my relatives that were there and it was just so interesting because they also were on that bandwagon of like vaccines cause autism and we don't want our children to get autism x y and z Mm -hmm. and so like just kind of inquiring about like well where, where did you get your evidence and they're like oh it's a known thing and i was like no Everything that you're saying has been disproven, right? But it's the scientific process of um, having a hypothesis and doing studies and making sure you're following the scientific method. That's not a conversation that you're going to necessarily want to engage in at that point. Mm -hmm. And so you start thinking about, okay, how do I best explain why vaccines are important? Yeah. And so in Minneapolis during that time, and even now, I don't know if you guys heard about it, there was a measles outbreak, right? Because kids weren't getting vaccinated, particularly in the Somali community. And I talked about that. And I said, even if it were true that it gave you autism, which it's not, <laughs> it's factually just not. I think measles is a lot worse than right. having autism. Yeah. So maybe like coming, finding a common ground, building that trust slowly is a way to combat that. So I'd like to pose another question for you guys then. Mm -hmm. What if it's not an experience per se that changed a single person's view, but it's a cross-cultural view that not a single individual has had an experience, but it is a huge belief. How do you how do you approach it when it's so embedded in a culture rather than this was my experience and it was super bad and this is why I don't believe it? 
So I think that lean, um, I don't know if you can change something like that instantly. It requires advocates in that community basically of people that understand like that population and then years of education and trying to get to the power people you know that's how you make change in the world you get to those power people in that community and that's how things are going to change but aren't we as physicians possibly the most knowledgeable in this per se in anatomy and in physiology that we would be the authority figures so in my educational opinion I would say yes, but like from an ego standpoint of a humility, like a human person, I can't say that I know everything about everything. You're right that they would go to doctors, but the thing is, what kind of doctors would they have to go to? Male doctors, female doctors? That's where these kind of things is. You need to understand, okay, I feel like you'd need to figure out how to explain to them that you need this, but who will they listen to? Right. You know, the authority figures that you're speaking of, for instance, in government and things like that, I would almost feel that they almost perpetuated in some of these cultures the they problem do. because they are the, unfortunately, they, they are the, the male dominant power, right? Who they've grown up in this social structure that this certain topic gives them social standard above females or in any other sense. And so I don't know like how they could help as well. You know, personally, but I think it's our position as female doctors in the future to kind of advocate for that's it. That's where I think that you can change the future generations Mm -hmm. that you start educating your children and then you know children have conversations with other children you know you never know it can be like a mass effect (laughs) telephone i agree with you guys 100 percent because you know in when you're younger and they say you know education is the key to everything Mm -hmm. right and it's so cheesy but it's true and you know how I know it's true is because um, I recently took an Ancestry.com thing and I told my mom about it, blah, blah, blah. The next like week or so, she starts talking to me and she goes, my mother, my immigrant Somali mother goes, oh, did they say anything about a haplotype? My mom said the word haplotype. <laughs> Meaning she wanted to know what yeah. alleles came from, like what parental unit. And I was like taken aback, and I was like, "For sure, huh? you get those genetic genes from somewhere." <laughs> I was like, "Where did you get this from?" And she was like, "Oh, I was talking to my aunt who lives in Canada. She, um, she's around my mom's age, but she was like taking classes. She started school again, and like they had that conversation. Like that's how I know it works. Education works. These are the things. Sometimes people don't even hear words, and then they're like, "Oh, wait, there's a new thought. Then let me think about it." So to kind of add on to that, Harjeet, the way I think about it, if like an alien culture came to the the world and all of a sudden they said, don't wear clothes because it will give you cancer. And that's like so against what we are so used to doing that, like, even though they could prove it with evidence, like those first few times walking around naked would feel so weird to us. And so I think like Harjeet was just saying, the more the little seeds that you plant can help. So there won't be an immediate change, but if you're if you're open and have a conversation coming from understanding, then you can make change over time. Takes time. Yeah. But I think at our stage it's so frustrating mm-hmm. to have those conversations and to plant those seeds and not see it come right now because we're in the stage of studying and getting, you know, our test questions and having um instant gratification in a sense. Right. Um, I know this is a situation that we will face time and time again. And 
Um, it feels daunting. It sometimes might be unmotivating, but I mean, I feel like in the end, we are the advocates. We're the people who have this information in order to, you know, bring these answers to people who mm-hmm. might not, who might come searching for it later, right? And I don't know the answers either, you know, but we're all dedicating our life yeah. to this study. And we, I think it, communication with our patients is very vital in this case, you know, see if it's a cultural thing, if it's a personal experience. But this isn't an issue that's going to go away anytime soon. So um, I guess, you know, the medical field is ever changing and so is culture and social standards. So we'll see where things go. Uh, Thanks for joining us. We appreciate all those tuning in and we hope that you will continue to listen on our future podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook and send us your comments and messages. We love to hear from you. Um, And you can find us at Bundle of Hers. Uh, Bye. Yay, let's go, kids.